For all of Gabriel's show dates and ticket links go to gabrielrutledge.com. Or don't. If you would like to support this podcast by subscribing for $5 a month, click the Substack link in the episode notes. You won't get any extra episodes, but Gabriel will think warm thoughts about you. And now it's time for the drive home with Gabriel Rutledge. Play the royalty-free hip-hop music. Now here's your host, Gabriel. Should all the content be forgot? I don't know the words to that song. Happy New Year, but I don't I don't know the words to that song. Never brought to bear. I can't be right. I don't even know why that's the New Year's song. Because I I became aware of it in a movie called It's a Wonderful Life. That has the beautiful lesson if a man has friends. He's a success. It's not really a beautiful lesson if you don't have friends. Then you might as well jump off the bridge. But, at the end of that movie, I think it's like in front of a Christmas tree. And they're like, you know. And then the little kid's like, the bell rings. And then the little kid's like, teacher says every time the bell rings, another angel gets there like... That's right, Zuzu. Which is kind of a weird response. His response probably should have been like, Wait, your teacher's teaching you about angels? What the fuck happened to the separation of church and state? Please tell me it wasn't science class that they taught you about angels. Well, we started weird. Uh, Happy New Year. May all your dreams come true in 2023. Or may you lower your own expectations. Either one works. So many new things have happened since we last talked. And that's what I consider this podcast an extremely one-sided conversation. You're going to have to make your own podcast if you want to talk back. New year. Since my last episode. I turned 49. Since my last episode. 49 years young. Age is just a number that signifies how much closer to death you are. Don't even worry about it. Other than my body slowly deteriorating, I have trouble with that word, deteriorating. Uh, I really don't give a shit about being 49. I mean, sure. You know what's next, you know? Physically, it's not like 
49's not great, but I bet 59 will be better. Probably, you know, that's not really how age works. I understand that. I mean, even the other day, I, like, uh, I, I shut a car door, but, like, it wasn't all the way shut, so you do that, like, extra little shove rather than open the whole door again, and I don't know how I jammed my wrist. And I'm 49, so that means I will be feeling that wrist jam for several months, if not the whole year. I mean, everything still kind of works on me, for the most part. I'm hard right now. But 49 is also, I mean, you know, age is a little bit relaxing. far as your own expectations, you're just like, well, you know, what, am I supposed to really start killing it at 50? Most of your life, it's like, who am I gonna be? But then, you know, maybe early 40s plus, it's like, this is who I am. Forty-nine. That's a change. Uh, and also another change. Uh, I'm coming to you from a new podcast studio. I traded in my old podcast studio at the Kia Podcast Studio store. couldn't take it anymore. I traded it in. I got a new one. I got rid of the car without power windows, without power locks, no more reaching through the back awkwardly to lock a door, no more telling passengers they had to lock it before they got out. No more check engine light on intermittently. I traded in my old white Kia Rio. And I got another white Kia Rio. I guess I have a type. I didn't even necessarily want to get... I definitely didn't want another white Kia Rio, but... I wasn't even locked into Kia Rio, but it just worked out that way. It's very hard to buy cars right now, especially if you're looking for a particular kind, and you would think a particular kind is like, oh, it's really hard to get the really nice cars right now. It's almost the opposite. It's really hard to get a Hyundai Accent or a Kia Rio, which is pretty much the lowest end, the cheapest car, at least the four-door variety you can get uh, and that's another reason I bought it is because I, I, I took I was going to take my car in to get looked at yet again and I was like okay if there's something wrong that I have to pay for that's it I'm just going to get a new car and then I started looking into it and there are it's like there's like there was like one Kia Rio in the whole state and then they called me and said do you want it and I'm like ah oh, probably not I don't know and then, you know, here I am. 
So it is a Kia Rio, but boy, is it exciting because it's new, it's shiny. It's not covered in food debris. Power locks, power windows. I have a screen. So yeah, I'm not uh, I'm not excited uh, when my payment starts kicking in. That'll suck. But I am excited to like not have to worry about my car for hopefully several years. My mother-in-law. This is a secret podcast. Don't tell anyone anything. Headphones on. My mother-in-law has this very weird thing where she likes to be... (laughs) She likes... Well, she likes to give people things so she can talk about the things she gave them for the rest of their life. But she does this very weird thing because you almost deserve that. Like, if my mother-in-law wants to talk about how nice the house is that I live in, how she's so glad she was able to sell it to us. I'm not saying we want to hear it, but she kind of has the right because she sold us the house she used to own for what was left on the loan. We bought a house we for much, much, much less than, uh, I don't want to say we should have, but much, much less than like a normal house would have been. Hundreds of thousands of dollars less. So if she wants to talk about that forever, I guess I kind of got to give it to her. But the weird thing she does is, like, we got a we got a van, uh, a Kia, of course, um, years ago. Actually, it was our first van, our first minivan. And the only thing, <laughs> the only thing my mother-in-law did was she saw an ad in the newspaper for the van. It was like on sale. She showed my wife. We we went to the Kia dealership. We bought it. For years, my mother-in-law would be like, I'm just so glad we were able to get you that van. What do you mean we? She showed us an ad, and then we financed it and bought it ourselves. So even if she didn't give you the thing, she wants to, like... Years ago, I bought a a Mazda truck. A 1987 Mazda truck. (laughs) Well into the 90s. uh, Actually, in the 2000s. And, uh... I bought it because her neighbor had it and she was like, oh, he's a mechanic, it'll be great. And it ended up being a real piece of shit. Uh, but that's why, because, I mean, that's on me that I bought it. But, like, she wanted to have a connection. She wants to have a connection 
Are you enjoying those pants I bought you? Are you guys still using the piece of kitchen equipment I bought for you three years ago for Christmas? The first thing my mother-in-law said when I told her, we told her, uh, you know, because she came over. She always comes over with bags of things uh, that she got on sale. By the way, I want to say for the record, she's given us a lot of things over the years. Her generosity has helped make my life better. I'm just also pointing out, is it a gift if there's a cost on the other end? It's less of a gift. But, she comes over with like bags of things like, if something's on sale, she'll just buy it. Could be meat, could be socks, could be a size of shoe not anyone in the family is close to wearing. But she came over and she was like, did you get a new car? I said, yeah, we just, just got it. And she's like, oh. That's too bad. I was trying to get a I was trying to get a car for you guys. I was like, "Wait, what? You were going to buy us a car?" No, but the hygienist at my dentist office is thinking about selling her SUV hybrid. And if she does decide to sell it, I want Mark, that's her boyfriend, husband, whatever. Husband, she just got married. If she does sell it, I want Mark to buy it. But he, if he doesn't want to buy it, I think you guys should buy it. What? So if your hygienist even decides to sell her car... And then Mark doesn't want it. You want us to get it. Well, let me return the Kia Rio. Because this sounds like a great fucking deal. <laughs> but that's what it is. She wants to have she wants to have a part of things. And so you can visibly see. Her disappointment that we bought a car she had nothing to do with. She didn't even find the ad. She didn't have to co-sign. Just like, oh, you just bought a car that I don't get to have any connection to? Oh. Oh, fuck me, I guess. I'm going to go tell my hygienist to eat a dick. And then, and then eventually it turns into another thing. I am so proud of you guys for getting this car. I'm like, well, thank you, I guess. I am 49. And to be honest, the credit union 
that we got the loan through did most of the heavy lifting. But it's kind of funny because I've said before, my mother-in-law will like tell people, she brags about me to other people and sometimes it comes back to me, but it's always like wild. It's, you know, he knows Chris Rock. makes a thousand dollars a show. Yeah, some shows. So it's so funny the uh, the difference between the bragging that I know Chris Rock and how much money I make and then the reality of her going like, you guys bought the cheapest car on the market? Good for you. Yes, you did. It looks so nice parked in front of the house I helped you guys get. Yeah, it does. I had a strong end to the year. It was fun. Uh, Tacoma Comedy Club, New Year's Eve, actually the Thursday. Two shows Friday, three shows Saturday. Three shows, 4.30, 7.30, and 10.30. Well, what, do I have a real job? And uh, they were fun. Even the Thursday was like almost sold out. Uh, Friday, the first show was close to sold out. Even the 4.30 on Saturday was like, you know, half full, two-thirds full. That's that 4.30 p.m. energy. I was ready. Anyone can party till midnight on New Year's Eve. It takes a special brand of partier to be like, afternoon show? Fucking hell yeah. New Year's Eve show is kind of a shit show for any comedy club because people are drunk. Uh, this one was like remarkably well behaved. Uh, so really uh, a really fun week. A really nice uh, way to end the year psychologically and financially. One of those weeks where uh, I'm like, I guess if you were, if I was like famouser, <laughs> yeah, famous is a word. I don't know what's holding me back from fame, but it's not my vocabulary. If I was famouser, if I was more successfuler, uh, I'm like, I guess this is what every week on weekend would feel like. A weekend of, like, full shows where, like, not the whole room, but a third of the room is pretty familiar with me. A bunch of people who have seen me multiple times, and I'm like, oh, man, that's, uh, that's a pretty good feeling. I wouldn't mind a little more of this, uh, successfulness. so fun. It was a fun weekend. Uh, got to do it with my buddy Casey McClain. Got to do it with uh, Olympia comedian Lynette. Forgot her last name. She's very funny. Uh, so anyway, fun fun way to end the year. Uh, I, okay, I actually, I live in uh, Olympia, Washington. Oh! 
better than it normally does. Uh, you're sorry? Where do, where do you live? You need me to be a part of this. <laughs> Why are you going all eight mile on yourself? Damn. Ashburn knows her to fuck me. Never mind. Where's Where's Ashburn? in my own Tribble gig sort of uh, David Tribble is a northwest comedy booker who was sort of uh, it, it was a big deal in like the 90s and 2000s I did first place I ever headlined was for uh, David Tribble Helena Montana I remember that uh but yeah, he would have all these sort of, for the most part, rowdy bars in uh, Montana, Idaho, Washington, Oregon. But the routing on them was always insane. The routing was like, uh, you know, six-hour driving every day or more. But you'd drive past the gig you were going to in two days on the way back or whatever... Uh, a, a, a comedian, Dave, Dave Crow, I know, he called it the, he called the routing uh, the star of David Tribble because that's what it would look like on the map. You were just driving in a, in a star. Uh, those gigs don't exist anymore. He actually retired and uh, I just gave $20 to his GoFundMe that his granddaughter started because I guess they had a problem with their house. Anyway, 
I just hope I get that 20 back when it's my turn. Right now I'm driving to uh, Redding, California. And then I have a show in Talent, Oregon, which <laughs> Talent is like six hours from my house, six and a half. I'll drive through Talent, two and a half more hours to Redding, I'll drive back to Talent. And then the next day I will drive, I think it's three hours to uh, Eureka, California. So I'm doing my own shitty routing and I can't even blame it on Dave Tribble. But it's all more or less in the area and uh, I can't fly. I could fly, but I don't even know what I'm making this weekend because it's, uh, I, I know for some of them, but it's a, it's a door deal in Eureka. My first time at Savage Henry Comedy Club. I have a very small guarantee and uh, actually I just emailed the guy and I'm like, have we sold any tickets? I'm running an ad. He was like, a few, but you know, this is a last minute town. By the way, every venue in the world, everywhere, everywhere is a last minute town. <laughs> I don't want to take the uniqueness of your community away. But everywhere is a last-minute town. People are weird here. They don't show up till last minute. Nope, that's everywhere. People are weird here. When the weather gets nice, they don't go out to clubs anymore. Nope, that's everywhere. Also, I'm a little I'm a little worried about my lodging when I'm in Eureka, California, because uh, I'm staying at the comedy club. They're like, we have a... You can stay at the club. I'm like, wait a minute. Well, okay. I'm thinking of my old punk rock days where we'd just throw a sleeping bag on the stage we had just played on. Just laid in a dried-up puddle of punk rock spit And cigarette butts and I'm like I hope that's <laughs> I hope I'm not performing on the stage I have to sleep on later because I will go to a super 8 because I am 49 if I slept on a stage I'd, I'd feel that for a year my wrist would be the least of my problems doing two clubs this month that are like very small guaranteed door deal things. Eureka and San Diego uh, January 21-22 I think. And uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, so uh, welcome 2023 Kia Rio. Uh, one of your first jobs is to drive me eight and a half hours south to Northern California. receptionist, you could have slept in the car. That's how much space it has. Is she even sure she wants to sell it? Well, no, but she's thinking about it. I bought you 
these Capri pants. They were $3 at Ross. Thanks. I don't know if my new podcast area will sound any different. I'm actually, I think I'm a little closer. I don't know if I've described in a while the high-tech way that I record my podcast. I have a two producers in the back seat. I have a boom mic operator next to me up front. Hey, Jim, how are you? He's professional. He won't talk. No, what I normally do is uh, I, I fucked around a lot of ways. Any lapel thing I put on just sounded uh, like I was crumbling paper in a windstorm. Just my phone recording uh, also didn't sound amazing. This is what I know it doesn't sound amazing now, but this is <laughs> this is how I record my podcast. I have my headphones plugged into my iPhone, and then the headphone uh, dingle dangle dongle that has the speaker on it. I I like kind of hang that in front of me on the uh, the visor, and that visor is a little closer. Uh, this key there's been a couple of changes in the updated key area, a little bit different body type so I, I I bet it'll sound very similar but uh, oh one change uh, okay I might have done it already but I didn't notice let's let's change lanes to give you an example the turn signal is loud as hell in the 2023 Kia Rio. The turn signal is an angry man in the garage pounding metal with a hammer. So, sorry about that. Let me have a sip of my terrible uh, Union, Union 76 coffee. I like my coffee like I like my women. In Oregon, where they don't let you pump it yourself. What? I got a question uh, from a listener. I almost said a viewer. And I'll say this you guys, I don't get a lot of questions or a lot of listeners. But man, when you guys ask me a question, it's a, they're fucking doozies. It's never, what's your favorite color? Orange, thanks for asking. It's never who found the ad when you purchased your first minivan. That was my mother-in-law. last question I got was how much money do you make a year and I told you guys I was actually a thousand over from what I guessed thanks to the merch buying lunatics at Tacoma Comedy Club thank you Uh, I got another question and again I'm in my car I'm not reading it exactly but uh, paraphrasing the question it was uh, the two biggest fights They say, you know they, they say the two biggest fights uh, couples have are sex and money. 
Is this true for you and your wife? Good Lord. What a question. Uh, I mean, look, my wife and I um, have argued about sex and money. Sometimes we argue about how much money I should pay for sex. Folks! I'm on fire in this new podcast studio. Let me change lanes like it's a round of applause. Uh, sure, I've argued about... I don't even know if it's arguing. It's Sometimes it's like, maybe it's not, those are the two biggest arguments. Maybe those are the two biggest issues. I don't think sex has ever been the biggest issue in our relationship. I mean, I'm happy to report it's an average-sized issue. Uh, it, yeah, there's times uh, I want to have more sex. A lot of that scheduling. My wife sees a lot of clients. Sometimes I'm barely home. You know what I mean? If I if I travel three or four days and I'm home a couple of days and then I leave again, well, if I don't have sex in those couple of days, that means it's going to be a couple weeks. You know what I mean? So it's like... That's probably the... Uh, you know, I, I, I think probably that's the difference in my wife and I is uh, not just in sex, but just in everything in life. She wants everything to be perfect in the sense that, like, if we're talking about cleaning the house, she wants a whole new system. She wants a whole new uh, cabinet that's going to change her life where she'll be able to put all, uh, all the stuff she doesn't know where it should go. She's going to get rid of a bunch of stuff. Uh, she, You know, the whole house should be totally reorganized and totally laid out in a different way and then her life will be better. And I'm much more like, let's just wipe off the counter and call it good. And sometimes my wife will be like, why bother wiping off the counter? Because the whole house is fucked. She has ADHD. <laughs> ADHD people have a lot of plans. They're not so good on the execution. My wife's brain sometimes is like, I don't even want to fold the laundry because the garage is so fucked up. And so if you want to put that into the sex world, it's like, you know, I want to be well rested. I want all the kids to be asleep. Uh, I want a, a, a moment of uh, moments of privacy. 
uh, to have this unique, wonderful experience. And I'm much more like, let's just wipe off the counter. <laughs> this is this is what we get. But I still would not say again. I have never. Uh, I've never. Uh, I would have never. I never would say. Sex has been like the biggest issue in our relationship. Money? Uh, not really arguments, but has it been an issue in our relationship? Oh, for fuck's sake, yes! I don't know why I said that like I was a really mad Wisconsin resident. Oh, for fuck's sake! Oh yeah, sure, you betcha we've been fucking had some money troubles. I do not, my wife is not like a, um, a frivolous spender. So it's not like we argue, I mean, there's been occasionally, I think occasionally each of us have bought things the other person probably wishes we hadn't. I bought something I saw on Shark Tank. Uh, now I can't remember, but it's basically a giant bean bag that, like, if you unzip it, it lays flat like a mattress, and you can sleep on it. And, uh, you know, we have sleepovers all the time with different kids, and we kind of keep a mattress in the garage that we drag in and out of the house, and I'm like, this will be, we'll have a beanbag type soft chair and we'll have an extra mattress. And, okay, for one thing, this thing is enormous. It's like a giant took a cloth dump in our back room and it just fills up the whole room, it feels like. And then the other thing is, uh... As far as sleeping, it is awful. It's terrible. I would rather sleep on the stage at Savage Henry Comedy Club than sleep on this thing. I can't remember what it's called. I can't remember what the brand is called. But every time we say we should get rid of it, the kids are like, no, we love it. Uh, and so do the cats. So. The cats are like, that's about the right size for me to take a rest on. I also remember watching that episode of Shark Tank where the guy got the deal. And uh, he ended up giving 60% of his company away, which is a terrible deal. But anyway. He got a couple bucks out of me. I mean, on the commercial, man, people were laying on that mattress. It looked better than my bed. I'm like, this looks super comfortable. And then it's like, you know, it's like trying to sleep in a ball pit. It's terrible. You know, it's never big purchases that my wife and I disagree. We don't really disagree on purchases. I mean, sure, 
there's a lot of boxes from a company called Zulily that show up in my house, and I'm like, what the fuck do they sell? What? Why do we need all these things? It's not, we don't argue about money in that way. It's not like uh, one of us rang up a lot of credit card debt and the other one's more frivolous. It's not, it's not that issue. I just mean money has been an issue because there have been times we haven't had it. Uh, and also, I'm not, you know, the times that it's been a little argumentative about money, I'm not saying I'm taking equal responsibility. Because I think we have, uh, you know, we, we come from two different worlds, as all people do. My family, um, when I was a kid was poor. I didn't know it. I'm not, and also I'm not trying to tell you some story we were raised in the Ozarks and I, you know, me and my girlfriend, cousin, had to share the same ear of corn for the week. I, it, you know, no one went hungry, but when I look back, I'm like, oh, yeah, we were poor. We lived in a real shitty house. You know, my parents were super young. My mom didn't work. My dad was tr trying to figure out a career. He ended up being a, you know... I mean, it's kind of... This is kind of a degree... Almost an insulting way to describe what he ended up doing. But he was like a, a hospital maintenance man. But, like, way more complicated than that. Uh, so, you know, they ended up doing fine, eventually. But when we were young, you know, and now my parents, you know, in hindsight, they're like, oh yeah, we were, we were pretty, we were pretty bad. We were pretty destitute, you know, we had to eat pinto beans four or five days a week. Uh, and look. Again, I didn't know I was poor, but that, that goes into how my parents act about money even later in life when we had more. Uh, that goes into my DNA of like what money means to the world and what it means, uh, how, I re how I act around those issues. My wife, she was not raised rich, but her mom became rich later in life. And so, I think she almost looks at, uh, she views money as, and again, I just, you know, and again, please don't, this is all secret. If one of you fucking rats, I'm shutting the whole fucking podcast down, I swear to God I'll do it. Like I said, there's nothing, my mother-in-law has a lot of money, but there's, my wife has some issues with my mother-in-law, we're not gonna, it's not her podcast, we won't get into all that shit, but it's like, there, there's a price to the financial gifts that we get from my mother-in-law, so I, I think, uh, I think my wife kind of resents not having money at times in our life when that's been a struggle, because it's, it gives her mom more power. If we need something, 
that's the thing that the positive you know that's a thing that uh, her mom could help us with the negative is <laughs> there's a spiritual cost for the rest of my wife's life for every gift we get so she resents the idea of money and I look at money like it's not in the things I have or the amount of money I have that's not financial success to me I look at it financial success to me is not needing anything not worrying about anything. All my bills are paid. Uh, I'm not even going to say savings. You know what I mean? It's like, I guess, in the way that something goes wrong in life and like when I needed to fix my car and you go like, ah, shit going to cost me a bunch of money like it would suck even if you had a bunch of money but to me total financial freedom would be like I gotta fix my car okay who cares I'll fix it or I'll get a new one I'm rich and I don't know what that number is but that's like financial freedom to me is like not That's like the power of money to me. Is it can reduce your stress about money. There's been times, you know, I'm an idiot. I tried to be a professional comedian uh, since basically 2002. You know? I would still work a little bit at restaurants and stuff, but there's been, you know shit got bad enough I had to like you know, I've paid all the bills before on a credit card I've gotten cash advances from a credit card out of an ATM because I didn't know how I was going to get home if I didn't that's the opposite of financial freedom that's that's like the weight of uh, financial stress you're just being buried and like, you know, we've had debt before, uh, you know. So I think the issue that I bring in to money is sometimes my wife is just talking. She's just talking. She'll say stuff like, I wish we had a pool. And my reaction is, a pool? Are you out of your fucking mind? We have a hot tub that breaks all the time. We. A pool? You know how much money a pool is? There's no fucking way we're gonna get a pool. How much is enough for you? It's not, it's not enough that I have to go make enough money that we can all survive, and so do you. It's not enough that we work 
our ass off to like get by and be okay. But now we got to get a fucking pool. That's how much money we have to make. We have to make pool money now. That's how I take it. But really, she's just talking. But I, I like, I, I, you know, and, and the pool thing is a, you know, that, it happens. It's like, I wish we could get this. I wish we could get that. And I go like, I don't want to get more things because not getting things is financial freedom to me. I just bought a car, so. But I liked not having a car payment. So we don't, we have two different feelings about money and the power of money and uh, so yeah, occasionally we clash on that. I'm trying not to do that for my part of it. I'm trying not to, you know, I'm also trying to look at money in a different way. For my uh, comedy career, because I am exhausted. <laughs> uh, maybe success to me is like I make the same amount of money I did last year, but I do less shows. You know, I don't know. But my wife wants a pool. So it's <laughs> it's hard to like, it's hard to like, or even take the silliness of that out of it. It's like, it's hard for me to go like, I need to work less. And then, you know, my son's going to college and it's, it's expensive. Uh, we have some family members who have said they would help us, but I don't want to do that we probably will at some point but my point is it's like like I turned down a show yesterday uh, for in February and it was like you know it was a $350 show in Seattle not that that's like I don't mean I said that like it was a $3,500 show in Seattle. But, like, I go, hey, we got a car payment now. My son's private Catholic university is due pretty soon. His tuition. Uh, we don't really have that. Uh, everything. You know what I mean? The expenses of life. I don't feel like I'm in a position to say I don't need that $350. That it's really fucking hard for me to say no to any gig that I am available for. The reason I said no is that particular week in February, if I had said yes to that show, I would have had seven shows in seven days. All localish. 
but it's like I can't that's the thing I gotta you know it's one thing to get off the road and be like I'm home but then when you work every night you're like I am home but when school's happening when it's not summer it's like that's still not that much family time reconnection time And it won't be when I have that one week off. I mean, that one day off of that week. But it's like, it's, I told the person I couldn't do it. And the, my first, my feeling was like, I can do it. I'm lying. I should do it. Why am I not doing it? It's really fucking hard. I, I'm trying to get over that shit. I'm trying to make up my own rules of what I should be booking or not booking, but it's it's uh it's hard because you know I'm saying things to myself like okay if I do a club one week then the next week when I'm not gonna do a club and I'm just doing local stuff should I like limit it to three shows only I'm, I'm trying to <laughs> I'll be honest I'm not doing a good job And that's my relationship with money, too. I'm like a a Great Depression survivor who, like, reuses napkins after they rinse them out in the bathtub. I've paid, like I said, I we've been super in debt before. We've been super fucked before. And so it's hard for me to go like, ah, nah, I don't need that 350 bucks. Plus merch. Minus gas. And the other other part of it is hard is like, that gig that I was offered is probably going to be a lot better than a couple of them I'm doing that week. But I already said yes to them. So anyway, that's an ongoing, uh, my relationship with money is, uh, (laughs) under constant evolution and maybe it needs to evolve a little more so there you go you know I don't know if I would say those are the two biggest issues in my relationship but yeah sex and money come up how come I never get questions from the podcast listeners that are like, why are you so awesome? (laughs) Relationships on paper just, they seem kind of impossible, right? Two different people from two different families of origin. Two different sets of trauma <laughs> wow and then you're like yeah just live with them for your whole life have fun out there I mean I never liked that idea of the, you know the phrase uh, happy wife happy life I've always thought that was kind of a shitty 
you know, old school way of looking at relationships. But there's some, <laughs> there's some grains of truth in that. You know, it's, it's hard to like, I'm sure the opposite is true too. Happy husband, happy life. But no wonder no one says that. It has a terrible ring to it. Happy dude, happy attitude. Oh, slightly better. But, you know, I've been to therapy in my life. My wife and I have been to therapy. Um, and I'm not shitting on therapy. But it's also like... I don't know. I, I'm not answering this on behalf of my wife. This is perhaps my own... Uh, insecurities, but like, as much as there's a, you know, talk of toxic men, and yeah, sure, I don't exactly fully understand what toxic masculinity means, um, I do know if you want a deck built, you're gonna have to find some, but... As much as there's this talk of men need to, like, express their feelings and real men cry, and if that's true, I'm as real as fucking get. But. I don't. <laughs> I'm not saying the previous system was better where men just kept everything inside and then died ten years before their wife. I'm not saying that's a perfect system. But let's. That's not my car, by the way. That's the oversized load in front of me. Happy load, happy road. That's what keeps my wife and I together. Good lord. Excuse me, sir. I'm trying to podcast. I've certainly said the word, those words to my wife before. She's certainly said them to me before. It's not... I'm not saying I'm, like, strong and silent and I just fucking... But, like... I guess what I'm saying is, like... If my wife says I want a pool, and I say to her, when you say that, that brings up insecurities in me as the provider for this family and my constant uh, uh, work-life balance of like trying to work enough to pay for this family but trying to not work enough where 
I can be here for this family. So when you say things like, I want a pool, I feel like I'm not being appreciated or I feel like it's never going to be enough for you. Instead of saying that to her, if I just go, she's just talking. This ain't about me. You know what? I want a pool too. Who wouldn't want a fucking pool? Pools are amazing. Yeah. Wife, I want a fucking pool too. Heated. I want to pick up our house and put it in a much nicer house. (laughs) So isn't there that fine line in between like taking enough therapy that you realize what she's saying isn't about what she's saying. It's about my own insecurities and my own triggers. But also not dumping it on her and saying please in the future don't want anything that costs money. Right? Somewhere in between not communicating and communicating too much? Isn't there a sweet spot there? I'm looking for it. And by the way, let me say, my wife and I are fine. We're doing fine. We wiped the counter yesterday. We're fine. But just the bigger picture... It's like you need to go to therapy to figure out why things affect you the way they do and then you need to like shut the fuck up about it. (laughs) Alright. Five more hours of driving. What other existential existential crisis can I uh, give myself before I get there? Oh, let me remind you that uh, this podcast is not hosted by a medical professional or a licensed anything other than a licensed driver. And I read a red light. And I ran a red light last year. So even that is up for debate. I'm just talking out my mouth hole. But isn't that, I'm serious, isn't that the, I think the times I've handled things best in my life, the total sweet spot is oh, this is why that bothers me. Also, it's got nothing to do with that person. So I don't know what I'm talking about. Not like that son of a bitch, Dr. Drew. <laughs> oh, I used to, Christy and I used to watch the Dr. Dr. Drew. Uh, I used to like Loveline. Don't get me wrong. The radio show with him and Adam Carolla. I enjoyed Loveline. 
but at this point, Dr. Drew is like just silly. Christy and I used to watch Celebrity Rehab. Most of those people are dead now, Dr. Drew. I know the success rate for rehab is low already, but I'm going to say TV rehab even lower. And I'm thinking about Dr. Drew because uh, I think it was yesterday a football player had a heart attack uh, during the game. As of this recording, uh, what I heard, I don't remember the name, contusion, something or other. I don't know. They're saying he got hit in the chest in the exact right spot and made him have a heart attack. I don't know. I have no idea. But I uh, I saw a Dr. Drew tweet that was like, so sad, yet another young athlete with a heart attack. Don't get me wrong. I'm fine with people looking into vaccines and seeing what the side effects are. And uh, I'm open to studies and all that stuff. I mean, that shit's all confusing. Because you can find a study that says anything. But, Dr. Drew, still a do- an actual doctor, not like that son of a bitch Dr. Phil. Are you a real doctor, Dr. Phil? No, but I can... Just because you stick your hand up a cow's butt don't mean the what? I'd rather take the butcher's word for it. Huh? Uh... Like, as a real doctor, he doesn't know that guy's... This is like minutes after the guy fell over on the field and they had to give him CPR. Dr. Drew's like another young... You don't know his medical history. You don't know anything that happened. You have no fucking idea if that guy's even vaccinated or not. As a medical doctor. To just be like, yeah, it's a shame. What? I'm done. And by done, I mean I've never given him money. I will continue to never give him money. Stupid duck. I'm already mad he told me not to worry about COVID back in 2020. I was watching all of his videos. It was giving me all this peace. He was like, don't worry about it. It's being overblown. Everything's fine. And I'm like, Dr. Drew wouldn't lie to me. He taught me about STDs on the radio when I was a much younger man. He wouldn't lie to me. Guess what, Dr. Drew? It was a big deal. I mean, maybe... Who knows? I was already mad about that. And then he, like, <laughs> gave this apology... It was like, I am sorry. Uh, You know, this is during the time that, like, they're backing up freezer trucks, refrigerator trucks to, like, hospitals in New York City where things were at their worst. And he's like, I misread the data or whatever the fuck he said. I was wrong about this one. Dr. Drew's a quack. Adam Carolla's right wing. 
Howard Stern is woke now? What the fuck happened to all the media I used to listen to? I mean, I was never a big Howard Stern guy, but, like, his whole thing of, like, yeah, he'd, he'd bring lesbians in on the radio and, like, whatever. Make them answer questions or do stupid games or... That guy is now, like, giving political opinions and... I mean, I'm sure some of them I agree with, but my point is... It's weird. Same with Jimmy Kimmel. The guy the guy who hosted the man show? Where girls with big boobs jumped up and down on trampolines? That guy is giving all these political opinions? What the fuck is going on? Well, we started weird, we ended weird. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.